Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. Another month, another update, because news doesn't stop. Surprise, surprise. And it seems to be happening, a lot of things happening very quickly. I feel like, yeah, things are changing very quickly. And so therefore, we've got to keep up. We do. And for our March update edition, we are going to touch briefly on things around sexual assault and death. So quick trigger warning there. And we're going to timestamp it because things are happening so rapidly. And uh, just so we're all on the same page here, if you right. listen to this and you're thinking, what? Right. It is March 10th, 2020, as we record this. Right. And obviously, there's a lot happening with politics right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you haven't been keeping up at this time, Warren Booker, Buttigieg, Klobuchar and Bloomberg have all dropped out of the Democratic primaries, leaving Sanders and Biden at the helm. And right now we know that Buttigieg, Booker, and Harris have all endorsed Biden with the idea that he is the most moderate, quote-unquote, or more likely to be elected. Right. And we did want to focus specifically on Elizabeth Warren dropping out and this narrative that we heard a lot from pundits and from other politicians that she was mean or angry. And so prior to her dropping out, there was a lot of talk about the erasure of Elizabeth Warren in this presidential race, especially as it progressed um, and how that in part led to her dropping out. And this was something I definitely noticed for sure. She wasn't even mentioned in a handful of national polls about presidential matchups, despite finishing before some of the other male candidates included in those matchups. Her campaign even addressed it in a message to supporters, and the viral hashtag President Warren started trending with supporters questioning the lack of coverage on her. And yes, there are plenty of factors at play here. As always, it's hard to just point to one single thing in these complex systems, but certainly her gender was one of the things at play. There was the assumption that she can't win, even though we know Hillary Clinton won the popular vote, uh, record numbers of women winning in 2018 in the 2018 midterms, and Warren herself having a record of winning races. And as I typed this, which I think was two weeks ago, I started typing this. So at the time, I didn't know this was going to happen. Right. But as I typed it, the hashtag Warren dropout was trending on Twitter. And of course, she did. As you listen to this, she has left the race. Yeah. After winning zero states on Super Tuesday, which TLDR... Look at me, I'm trendy. Yeah. Is when Americans in a handful of the states can vote in the presidential primary. Elizabeth Warren announced she was going to drop out. In exit polls, many said basically, quote, I'd vote for a woman, just not Warren. Sounds, Sounds familiar. familiar. Sounds very familiar. Um, and when asked about the role of sexism in the race, she said, if you say, yeah, there was sexism in this race, everyone says, whiner. If you say, no, there were no sexism, but a bazillion women think, what planet do you live on? And she joked about her electability on SNL and a lot of late night monologues about her campaign mistake of, quote, not having a penis. Yeah, yeah. I saw, I saw a lot of jokes about that right. following her dropping out of the race. 
An exit poll a while back found that only 4% of the respondents in that poll rated Warren as likable, the mysterious likable. They gave Kamala Harris 5%. Wow. <gasps> Meanwhile, both Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders poll over 20% uh, likability, despite a history of getting elected again for both of these women. The, the electability question when posed towards women who have this history of being elected but told no, a woman can never win just baffles me. Right. Trump commented about Warren dropping out that she was mean and people don't like her. That they want a person like me. I'm not mean. And then he got up abruptly and just left. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And yeah, these critiques are something we're unfortunately very familiar with of being too mean, too angry. In Warren's case, especially towards Bloomberg in particular, oh, no, she was mean to him. <laughs> right. I will say not to, like, people were upset that she was mean because, you know, no woman should be mean ever. But right. most people were like, yeah, nah, he kind of deserved it. <laughs> she did, did not she hold back. She did not hold back. No. Um, and in this time frame, people are also now, and I say now as in the last few days as she has exited the race, people are, are now angry that she's not endorsed anyone, that she was fake and didn't care about the bigger picture and was divisive and selfish, quote, and even pointing to the fact that her being on shows like SNL is selfish and how dare she do something besides campaigning after she was repeatedly scolded for not dropping out immediately, Mm -hmm. which I find tiresome. I do as well. And speaking of Bloomberg, kind of related, we did want to talk about the whole issue of the NDA and accusers. Um, And I did want to touch on this because it's relevant. After a series of gaffes, news pundit Chris Matthews resigned. And one of these gaffes that recently caught our eye has to do with Bloomberg and these NDAs. In the wake of the most recent Democratic debate, Elizabeth Warren sat down with Chris Matthews and he asked about these NDAs. And he grilled her on the NDA and um, the case she cited during the debate, asking her, you believe that the former mayor of New York said that to a pregnant employee? To which Warren replied, well, a pregnant employee sure said he did. Why shouldn't I believe her? Matthews looked visually flummoxed at having the question flipped. Right. Their conversation continued with Warren discussing pregnancy discrimination and mistrust of women, culminating in Matthews demanding, why would he, Bloomberg, lie just to protect himself? And Warren said, yeah, why would she lie? The look on his face, it was just total shock and bewilderment. Like, it never, literally never occurred to him that that could be the case. And this in the face of so many patterns, sworn testimony, a witness, and Bloomberg's telling history. Right, and again, about the NDAs and his refusal to release people from the NDAs, which makes you question a lot in itself. Um, And even in the debate, Gail Keane asked Warren what proof she had, and Warren responded incompletely, her words. Mm -hmm. But she was being treated as though she made the allegation and the burden of proof is on her. Again, this is public information. Right. Reminder. Mm -hmm. And somehow, I missed this tidbit from 2016. Oh, did you? Yes, I did not know this. Chris Matthews was caught on camera Oh, joking about slipping Hillary Clinton, quote, that Bill Cosby pill I brought with me. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Not creepy at all. Mm -hmm. This has gotten me thinking a lot about women and lying and perceptions of women and lying. 
And I really want to do a whole episode on it. And the default assumption that women must be lying, especially in the case of if a man, it's a he said, she said, she must be lying. And I, I recently had a major panic attack a couple of weeks ago about everyone thinking that I'm a liar and no one believing me, especially if a man's involved. And it freaked me out. Right. And it's something I've, I know we all hear that. We talked about it on the show all the time. But just having that moment of that people are just going to kind of assume, oh, yeah, she's the liar. She oh, must right. be. So just recently, and on a kind of related thing about lying, Duffy released in a statement about her being gone from the music world for a while now in which she publicly stated that she had been raped. She had been kidnapped and raped and assaulted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why she's been gone and she's been ruining some things. And she finally had a sit-down interview where she talked about it. And the many comments of critics saying, yeah, but why did you wait till now? Are you sure this is a one word against another person? Like just going after this musician who all she really said, she didn't say anything about who it was in that statement. She didn't say anything about details that she just, you know, needed time. And this is why she's been gone and she's been working through some things. And people were attacking her on her social media saying, pretty much calling her out as a liar saying, prove it. And it's like, if she has been gone. She has been obviously gone from social media and the music scene, and she comes back with, this is why. Why is the first reaction from everyone to be like, you're a liar, unless you show us video, essentially. But not even that. Show us, as if we had been there, then we're not going to believe you. How dare you ruin a person's life, whose name was not mentioned at that point in time. Yeah. And I'm speaking of, I guess, believing and trusting women, and yes, again, we know some people don't love our conversations on stuff like this, but the current state of reproductive rights is something that we have to be following and look at today. So June Medical Services, LLC versus Russo, which is currently in the Supreme Court, which is a new case created by the state of Louisiana, which requires doctors performing abortions to have admission privileges at a state-authorized hospital within 30 miles or 48 kilometers of the abortion clinic. As in Texas, which they tried to do this as well with the Supreme Court case, Whole Women's Health versus Hellerstedt, which was struck down as unconstitutional in 2016. Of course, we know some things have changed, but... The same law limits the care to one single doctor in the state as other doctors had not yet gained admission privileges or are outside the given range, which makes it really difficult to get these types of services and could be a big conversation of the threat of Roe versus Wade. As of now, the decision has not been made yet, but it is a very tense moment of what is happening with the state of, yeah, Roe versus Wade, with the argument seemingly looking kind of like the previous case of whole women's health, but now with two brand new conservative justices on the bench, one who made a name for himself with the anti-abortion stances and loving beer and having tantrums and being angry. And his, what was his friend's name? I forgot his name. <laughs> Squee? <laughs> I think it might have been. It seems anyway, very... it's sad, but yes, we must find humor where we can. We can. So if you're taking note, um, Ginsburg and Sotomayor have been key justices in opening up the real dialogue behind the reasoning of this Louisiana law. And at this point, it seems Justice John Roberts may be the one to make the overall decision. So that's kind of an overview of what's happening in our very tumultuous political world right now. But there are other things happening. But first, we're going to get into a quick break for a word from our sponsor.
And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. And we're back with some other relevant stories that have happened recently or are continuing to happen. Just to add to our updates about Harvey Weinstein, he has been sentenced in surprisingly 23 years. I'm not going to lie. I did not expect that. I didn't either. I honestly thought that it would be so sure that it wouldn't, we would just be, he would just be at home. I didn't think anything was going to happen, for one. But it is in a weird place of feeling like not enough also. Right, <laughs> right, right. That it's still like, yes, there's justice in that he actually got a longer sentence than expected, mm-hmm. but not as long as should be because he also didn't, they didn't find him guilty for a chunk of the charges yeah. that was filed against him. I'm really interested to see what would happen in L.A. However, it was reported that he had a mild heart attack. after the sentencing and that he is in the infirmary at Rikers. But I don't think I've seen anything else on it. And on that, also, just the many celebrities and the many women who have been a part of this conversation about Weinstein have made comments, including Mira Servina, who said, 23 years, Harvey Weinstein has been sentenced to 23 years in prison for his crimes of rape and sexual assault. I literally cry tears of amazement and gratitude that the justice system has worked on behalf of all of his victims today. Rosie Perez also said, 23 years, convicted and sentenced. Today, the world shifted that much more for justice. May my dear friend Annabella Sciorra and all those brave women continue to heal and finally find some peace with this victory. Hashtag Harvey Weinstein's guilty. And if you remember, she actually um, was a character witness for Annabella at the trial. Rose McGowan also tweeted, who was one of the big voices during this time, mm-hmm. let us be free. So there is some small bit of justice, but again, it's kind of like still... <laughs> Yeah. yeah. There's still a little bit of that, but it wasn't enough um, in comparison to the many of lives that he has harmed. But hey, we'll take the justice where we can, right? Right. And with that, unfortunately, this is a little more of a downer, but it, we could not go on and not talk about the transgender Puerto Rican woman murdered for using the women's bathroom. Alexa Ruiz was killed a few hours after someone called the police on her for using a woman's bathroom at a fast food restaurant. A video was uploaded, and if you do decide to watch it or find it, it is really heartbreaking and triggering. So just to put that out there, uh, it showed her being targeted, and and they assumed it was when she was murdered. So far this year, there's already been two deaths that's just been reported, and that's, again, reported that we know of sure. that was specific to being transphobic deaths, and, I'm, and that's, again, what's being reported out there. Uh, and this was, again, when we were researching this, what, two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, last year there were 26 deaths of um, transgender or gender nonconforming people in the U.S. due to violence, and a majority of them being made up of black trans women mm-hmm. and people of color. So I think it's just really important that we recognize the tragedies of what is happening and the fact that the rights of these people are being ignored and oftentimes dismissed um, with the fact that they are transgender or gender nonconforming. And unfortunately, having these moments, which is super sad, and I'm, I'm sorry that it's super sad, but it's a reality and mm-hmm. we need to recognize it as a reality and then have a conversation and, and at least talk about it and mourn with the community that this is such a horrific horrific, painful part of their lives. Mm-hmm. And I think we can't ignore that and we can't pretend it's not happening just because we were sad. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, absolutely. And that's um, an episode we want to do in the future. Right. 
And um, if, if anyone listening feels like they have any good connections or someone we should talk to about that, please send them our way. Um, but in the meantime, we did want to touch on International Women's Day because that was a couple days ago as we record this on March 8th. The year's theme was I Am Generation Equality, Realizing Women's Rights. Some marches across the world were met with violence, like in Pakistan, with men reportedly angry by the march's slogan, My Body, My Choice. And there was violence with the march in Kyrgyzstan and in Turkey and Chile. There were confrontations with the police in these marches. Several marches were canceled because of concerns around COVID-19 slash coronavirus, but one one picture I found that I really loved was in Paris. The march went on as planned with several women dressed as Rosie the Riveter, but with yellow cleaning gloves. (laughs) It actually looked really good. In Mexico, the day was followed by a women's strike in protest of the violence and sexual assault faced by women. According to government stats in that country, 10 women are killed a day in Mexico. Mm. So that is... Another quite a huge problem <laughs> that right. we need to be talking about. Right. Um, if we move on to culture, some things that are happening in the entertainment world. A couple of weeks ago, an opinion piece in the New York Times called I Don't Want to Be the Strong Female Lead, written by Britt Marling, went viral. I can always tell when something goes viral in, in our kind of wheelhouse right. because I'm not on social media that often, but all of a sudden I'll get 20 texts. Like, <laughs> Have you read this? And then we'll be at work and we'll get a bunch of right. messages. You should talk about this. And one was this article. And she articulated a lot of things I've been grappling with recently and have even tried to say on this show, but I don't think I said it as succinctly as she did when it comes to what we mean when we say strong female lead. And often what we mean is women with masculine traits. So they're stoic, violent, angry. These feminine-coded traits are perhaps seen in makeup or clothes. But other than that, when it comes to a strong female lead, are erased. That's a generalization. It's not in everything, of course. But that has been something I've struggled with where when... I hear, oh, it's a strong female lead, and then you go, and essentially violence is really what it means. Yeah. And or I, being loud. Yeah. And argumentative for some reason. That's It is volatile. It's these things we associate with men, and that's fine. Like, there's a space for that to exist. Right. Absolutely. But it's I struggle to think of a strong female lead that is really feminine. Right. And I do think that is changing. We're seeing some versions of that. But we need to continue. (laughs) Right. You can be, there's plenty of feminine strengths. I don't know why we have to dismiss them all the time. Well, I do, but it's, I'm glad it's changing. It is changing for the better. Oh, and then unfortunately in the news of why the hell is this happening, the lawsuit filed uh, for the U.S. women's soccer team for equal pay, the employers of the U.S. women's national team argued recently that the team should not receive the same pay as the men's team because, quote, the job of men's national team player carries more responsibility within U.S. soccer than the job of a women's national team player. And there was an indisputable science that women biologically were less skilled than men, so therefore should be paid less. Even to the extent of questioning the female athletes about how strong they were or how fast slash slow they were in comparison to the men. 
Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. How many have they won again, those men? <laughs> Indisputable science. In the beyond infuriating nuances of this lawsuit, apparently trying to change the narrative, the U.S. soccer president tried to claim they sent an offer with the equal pay structure of men this year. But it was from 2011. Right. Yeah. And just a reminder, the U.S. women's team has made more of a profit since 2015 than the men's team. We've talked about this before. Mm. Uh, Yeah. And as International Women's Day was March 8th, the event She Believes Cup was held from March 5th to 11th. And this is an event hosted in the U.S. for many of the amazing female athletes in the soccer community. Joining the U.S. are the teams from England, Japan, and Spain. Yeah, and while we're speaking on the subject of sports, a huge shout-out and congrats to Heaven Fitch from Asheboro, North Carolina, who, as she put it, and we would absolutely agree, dominated in her state division, becoming the first female to win an individual title in wrestling, in high school wrestling, and garnered Most Outstanding Wrestler Award in that division. So shout-out as she has become an icon for so many. Yeah, congrats. That's awesome. And we do have not one, but two tampon updates. What? I love those. Yes. Uh, So first, Germany. Recently, the tampon book by a startup focused on sanitary products called The Female Company, that's what the startup is called, debuted in protest to Germany's 19% tax on tampons under the umbrella of luxury goods. Books are taxed at 5%. If you're curious, inside the cover of this book, readers will find 15 tampons. And the book is priced at little over 3 euros. So the first run of it sold out in one day. The second sold out in one week. This was a part of a push to educate people about the tampon tax and pressuring the government to lower that tax. And if you're wondering, it is actually a book as well. The plot traces menstruation from now all the way back to biblical times. And this is a really interesting take on that whole conversation around the tampon tax because the fact that books are taxed at a lower rate than tampons and the fact that it sold out so quickly, mm-hmm. and I would assume some of that is novelty, but I would assume some of it is it's cheaper to buy the book than to buy tampons. Right. Um, is that going to be on our future feminist book club list? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it certainly could be. Just saying. So meanwhile, Scottish Parliament passed the Period Products Free Provision Scotland Bill in February 2020, the first of three steps to becoming law and making Scotland the first country to offer free sanitary products to those in need. Woo! And this following another first, the adoption of making free tampons and pads available in schools and universities. Alice Johnstone, a member of Parliament, said, why is it in 2020 that toilet paper is seen as a necessity, but period products aren't? This is so often characterized as a woman's issue, but it's not. It is a social justice issue, an equalities issue, and a rights issue, she said. It is estimated that a woman will, over her lifetime, spend approximately 5,000 pounds on period products. Being financially penalized for a natural bodily function is not equitable or just. Being unable to afford or access period products denies women access to education, work, sports, and so much more. True. True. So this is this is the first in three steps. I obviously perhaps am not 
super familiar with how Scottish Parliament works, but so this is a big, it's a big step, but they right. do have two more steps before it becomes law. So right. we'll be keeping an eye on that. The European Union has vowed that period taxes will be phased out by 2022. And just to note, some money from period taxes does go to charities and organizations based on helping women. So that is something that'll need to be addressed for sure. (laughs) And then finally, I want to talk about the dictionary. Yeah. You? No. (laughs) I'm so excited about this because you all know I love language. And there is language news. (gasps) Yes. Because the Oxford English Dictionary recently got called out for their sexist language and the definition of women, or specifically the synonyms included. Okay, here you go. Are you ready? Ready. Bitch, maid, piece, bit, mare, baggage. And in the similar word section, popsy, chick, bent, wifey, and wench. Examples of usage include, God, women, will you just listen? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, one of the definitions of men (laughs) reads, a person with the qualities associated with males, such as bravery, spirit, or toughness. So a little different there. Yeah. A petition calling for the Oxford English Dictionary to change the definition has over 32,000 signatures. When I first wrote this, it was 30,000. Now it's 32,000. This is important, too, because Apple and Google use the Oxford English Dictionary as their source. So this impacts search results. Right. That's huge. I'm going to say the first person that calls me a piece is going to get smacked in the face. (laughs) We don't condone violence, but (laughs) we also don't condone calling anyone a piece. (laughs) What the hell? This is a thing... um, when you hear it, you think, surely, nah. surely this can't be true in our modern times. Like, it almost seems like an urban dictionary level. Right, right. I mean, we don't even use most of these words anymore. <laughs> a mare? <laughs> you don't want to be called a mare? A bent? A wifey? <laughs> popsy? I don't even know. <laughs> I'm going to call you a popsy because that's just fun. I've never heard that. Popsy. That sounds like a, that's a transatlantic, like a character... She's a, a spitfire in an yeah. old detective movie. Sassy. Popsy. Well, I am very excited to see where this goes. All right. And to see what the if they do update it, which they absolutely should. Would what, recommend. Would recommend. D- yes. What words are they going to update it with? Mm-hmm. We will see. Mm-hmm. Exciting language times we live in. All right. <laughs> Well, that's all I have to say about language for now. But we do have some personal updates we wanted to share with you listeners. But first, we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. And as you might know, especially if you follow us on social media, Samantha and I have been on some trips recently. It's true. It's true. So, Samantha, you went to Orlando. I did go to Orlando. Without you, felt really, really odd. I even made a statement. So we had to do a panel with Holly 
from stuff you missed in history class and E's from this day in history class as well as Unpopular and, of course, our segment, Feminist First, and also with Anna Hosnia from Ethnically Ambiguous and produces like 10,000 shows over in L.A. Yeah. Uh, we all got to sit down and have a keynote with Jessica from She Podcast, who was fantastic, and have a big conversation. But while we were there, I also did some interviews with several of the women who are attending the festival Podfest, right? Which I think I forgot to say. So you yes, did, we did go now, to Podfest, yes. <laughs> um, which is a conference for many podcasters or those who want to be involved in podcasting. And so it was really, really interesting. I will say, when we were on the panel, I did talk about how you abandoned me. I did, and I felt very alone and scared. <laughs> you were without your work wife. That exactly. is a frightening experience. That's exactly what is what I said. I was like, my work wife is not here. I'm very upset with her because she's in Montreal. Yes. we'll talk about that in a minute <laughs> and the bitterness I carry, but it's okay. But yeah, it was really fun, and the people were there were super amazing. Um, so I got to meet several of those who are up and coming in podcasting world. I got a few T-shirts. Ooh, so, how many? Know, I only got three this time. Oh, well, I, think I got all the ones that were available except for. Couple. Samantha mm-hmm. and I, listeners, are notorious free t-shirt collectors. They recognize us at podcast festivals. They did in this time. Is it only me? Am I think I... it was you because it was also too close back-to-back, oh, the two podcast sure. conference. But this one, they did. They The one that recognized you um, ran out of t-shirts by the time I got to them, so I got a fanny pack from them. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm actually wearing that t-shirt right now. You are. <laughs> well, so did you have a good time? I did. It was nice. Um... It was very, very sunny, which was delightful because I have not seen the sun since we came back from L.A., essentially. <laughs> it's been raining for literally forever in Atlanta. Right, right. <laughs> literally forever. But, yeah, so I did get to interview several women who were attending or a part of it, and I'm really excited to do that as an episode because we just talked about how this new medium, because we've talked about it before. I know that's one of the things that you and I talk often about empowering women, and since we are women podcasters, talking to women who are interested in doing this, talking to those who identify, as female or femme and those who are non-binary to become a part of this uh, community, how important it is that we bring in as many people to this new medium that does can make a profit but also reaches out and, and gives you a voice. Right. It's very important to us. So I'm glad if I couldn't have been there that you were holding this minty torch. Yes. Yes, because while you were enjoying your son... I was in Montreal where it was, no joke, 10 degrees Fahrenheit one day. But then it it warmed up. So it was a generally 30 degrees kind of situation. Yeah. Um, It did snow. There was so so much snow on the ground, just feet and feet and feet of it. Really? Yeah, see that? When you sent me that picture, I'm like, I'm okay. I was trying to make you feel less bitter. Whatever. I was still a little bitter that I wasn't invited and loved as you, but it's okay. Right. So I guess to backtrack to explain why in the world I was in Montreal, you may remember from our episode a couple months ago on women in puppetry that our guest, Louise Lepoint, invited me to the 15th edition of the Castellier Festival in Montreal. And this happens a lot where it's, it's, I kind of assume it's similar to conversations that you end with a polite, oh, yes, we'll definitely hang out again, but you know, in the back of your head, Probably right, not. Right, right. But she totally followed through. So I went to Canada for five days, and I saw over a dozen shows, puppet shows. This festival perhaps obviously is focused on puppetry. Right. Right. Um, and I had an amazing time, and I met so many amazing women. I would say it was definitely predominantly women. Did you also go for the 
bagel? <laughs> you know what? I missed that bagel thing. Did you? Because I, as I've said before on this show, I time has lost all meaning to me. Right. And I thought that the bagel thing. So I, there was also an invitation since I am on a food podcast as well to come and have smoked salmon. And Montreal has their own type of bagel. Right. Um, and that was the evening before the festival started. I thought it was on the last evening, so I stayed an entire night after everyone had already <laughs> left. I was by myself in Montreal and very sad that I didn't get to try. All of the salmon. I did try it on my own, but I'm sure yeah. it wasn't as good as um, what Louise and her sister throws this party before the festival every year. Um, she, Louise is my hero now. She, I love her. Oh, she was fantastic. I thought we bonded. Yeah, oh, you might have. Apparently. Apparently. That's Maybe next time. <laughs> um, and my favorite show that I saw was one that used these tiny little figurines to tell the story of a difficult journey of a group of refugees mm. that plays out on the performers' bodies. So it really got me thinking about how we objectify people and like right. the fact that it was playing out That's on them. Fantastic. It was Sounds really awesome. good. It was really good. There was also a, a puppet made of ice. Did and it melt? The, well, that was the whole point. Oh. There was like a time constraint of oh. it's melting. Um, so That makes me nervous. Well, I think that was part of the whole thing. <laughs> part of the whole thing. If anyone's curious about that or any other shows I saw, because I did see a lot and I could keep going, um, please email us. Happy to share. Also, it sounds like we might be speaking at Dragon Con about women oh, in puppetry. In puppetry? Yes. You're going to be speaking about that, right? Not me. Probably me, but we'll see. I thought, like, I know we're doing something, but that's not our panel, is it? Mm-mm. No, yeah. Our mm-hmm. panel is going to be a little different, I think. If we have one. If we have this one. This is all in the works. Um, but exciting times, exciting mm-hmm. times. Um, and I did want to put in there... Yes. It was really interesting to hear perspectives from people outside the United States about the elections happening That's here. That's the one thing about the social media, Twitter world, when you have people talking about them, like, what's going on? Why are y'all doing this? Yeah, people, because there were a handful of Americans, but it was mostly not right. Americans at the at this festival, or at least in the group of people I was with. Um, right. And people would ask me questions like, my God, what is it like over there? Are you scared? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not all of us, I swear. Um, so that was interesting. That is interesting. Yes. And then we wanted to include in here... Um, our Wait, sp- we should probably say spoiler warning? Yeah, well, I think it'll be mostly spoiler-free. But if you're worried at all about spoilers... Any of, spoilers, ...of yeah. Birds of Prey, the movie... Uh, and the fantabulous Emancipation of Harley Quinn. You might want to shut it off now because we did want to give our brief review on it since we did a whole episode on it about a month back when it came out. And I loved it. I thought it was super fun and it was really colorful and visually stimulating. The acting was top-notch. I love the soundtrack. I've probably listened to it so many times. And it's all women on the soundtrack. Um, The movie touched on so many issues that we've talked about before from everyday sexism, I would agree with Ewan McGregor yeah. <laughs> what he said about mansplaining all the way to sexual assault, um, women in revenge, yeah. a lot of that, the, that kind of trope, and even specifically Harley Quinn's journey to becoming her own woman instead of just the Joker's girlfriend. Because it's kind of like a breakup movie. It really is. And she emerges... Well, at the beginning, for sure. Oh, for sure. For her tagline and her storyline, it is absolutely 
a breakup movie. Yes. For all the other women, is different portions yes. of what it is, whether it's Rosie Perez saying, you know, stick it to the man after they screwed me over after so many times, I'm done with this, and yeah. this is how I'm going to take care of things, which could be that whole trope again about the revenge slash justice in your own hands type of level. And then you have the black canary who's finding her own voice, essentially kind of what she was doing from being the stage singer and being the pretty girl in the club to coming into her own voice and finding her own voice. I think it's definitely all along those lines. Yeah, and it was really fun to see a movie where it is mostly women kicking ass. And, uh, you know, it's just little things that you don't... You don't realize that, oh, I've been missing this. Like when um, Harley Quinn offers Black Canary like a hair tie. It's phenomenal. And then there's a tampon joke and it's just, you can tell, oh, women were involved in all of this. Right. And then they also talk about the fact that her, and, and this is something that we talked about at the original Birds of Prey episode when we were talking about the fact that she changed her own outfit from what they wanted her to be to what she wanted, uh, Robbie. Margot Robbie, yeah. Yeah, Margot Robbie specifically did that. She's like, okay, I can be sexy, but I don't have to wear that stupid BS. Right. And I can make my own. You know, yeah. that in itself is like, yeah, you can definitely see the difference mm-hmm. and the functionalities of the outfits even. Right. And sadly, um, my friend, I went to go see this with her after Samantha and I saw it together and I saw it with another friend of mine. She's really big on Reddit. Mm-hmm. And she told me afterwards how upset it made her because Reddit led her to believe it was this awful movie and it was of course. so like but- social justice and terrible. And <laughs> <sighs> it was very upsetting. Anything with social justice, everybody really gets upset about that right now. I'm like, they do. Uh, they do. It. And you know, I want to underscore this. I think it was a really fantastic movie, but it wasn't like it. And it doesn't have to be. That's the thing. It was just a right. fun superhero movie. I feel like it's any like revenge or origin story almost mm-hmm. of who you've become. Any of them, like Batman, would be the same level of social justice. So I'm a little confused. <laughs> I am as well. Like, he was literally vindicating his parents' death and then went to become this dark warrior to come and clean up crime. Yeah. That was his whole basis. Yeah. So I'm kind of confused. <laughs> the mm, difference? Yeah. Well, it's because it's a man doing it versus a woman doing right. it. Right. But the thing is, like, even Rotten Tomatoes had given it a pretty high scoring originally. Well, not originally, but towards the beginning of when it was coming out as well as... I think it's lower on the IMDb, but I'm kind of confused why people didn't. Well, I'm not confused because we saw it very clearly yeah. on Twitter um, and all we of the, it, yeah. yeah, how people just hated it and saying they weren't sexy enough. Which again, they're wearing tight leather. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought that was the dream. <laughs> what, what, what the dream? <laughs> Male dreams of like yes, yeah, skin tight anything. So, huh? Yeah. Yeah, um, it's unfortunate, and um, I hope that DC doesn't stop making movies like that because of that reaction, because we need to see more of that. Um, And (laughs) it might feel a little uh, hypocritical of me to be like, strong female women, always violence, and then I'm like, but I love this movie. (laughs) But I, I, I just think there's a space for so much more stories with women in them and because we don't see them that often they get judged much more harshly or seen as oh it's just another one of this trope or what what have you right. so 
But also now you have your costume for Dragon Con. I'm thinking about it. I know I have this thing where I try to predict what the biggest costume will be every year. And last year I had it, nailed it. You did. You I did. nailed it. <laughs> um, you but definitely I, counted the entire time. Steve <laughs> from Scoops Ahoy from Stranger yeah, Things. Right, right. And also Midsummer. Um, but yeah, I predict Birds of Prey will be a big one. It's got to be up there. Yeah, yeah. But I'm also going to do, I'm working on a. I'm working on a Princess Leia one, so oh, dear God. I have so many ideas. So many ideas. So many ideas. I love it. But in the meantime, <laughs> if any <laughs> listeners would like to send us their costume ideas, oh my gosh, I would love that. Or anything in the news we should include in our next update or do a whole episode on, please let us know. Did want to include in here, before we wrap everything up, for our next book club. Woohoo! Yes. We're doing Ash by Melinda Lowe. Yes. Um, I've had this book forever and have not read it yet, so I'm very excited. Yes. Yes. So if you want to read along. Participate, send us your questions, send yeah. us your thoughts. Yes. And our Feminist Movie Friday will be A Girl Walked Home Alone at Night. Yes. So. In honor of International Women's Day slash month. Yes. Say all the things. Yes. So some homework for you, hopefully of the fun variety. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you have suggestions for what our next book pick and movie pick should be, you can send them to our email and we would love to receive them. Our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuffmomnevertoldyou. Thanks as always to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Mm -hmm. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff Mom Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio is how stuff works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 